yet he wanted to take the one sheep from the poor man and so he did and if you go back and read second samuel chapter 12 verses 1 through 7 you'll read in 5 6 that david became angry and he said that man must die he must pay back fourfold who is this man and nathan looked at david and he said you are that man so this is really a song of lament from that context and what we learn here in Psalm 51 1 through 4 is that God is merciful God is merciful David now sharing his heart pouring his heart out to God says this have mercy on me O God mercy Hanan and it means compassion or pity and we see God's compassion some people read the Old Testament differently. Uh, I believe it should be read with both judgment and God's love because of his faithfulness to his people. But when you look at God over the New and the Old Testament, what you find is a compassionate God, a God who cares for his people. Look at the nation of Israel, up and down, up and down, up and down. Yet God's hesed love stayed with them, and he had pity on them at times, and mercy on them he had his love for them and when we come to the New Testament we find the same God that's in the Old Testament I think of Saul on the road to Damascus Saul one of the greatest uh, enemies of the kingdom of God at least the church at the time uh, was still breathing out threats putting Christians into jail killing them uh, he was still breathing out threats he was on his road to Damascus and he had an encounter with the risen Lord. That is compassion. And of course, then Paul goes on to be one of the greatest New Testament writers um, in Scripture, in the New Testament. But something to keep in mind here, when we talk about that God is merciful, his mercy always intersects with his grace. His mercy always intersects with his grace. God shows mercy and at the same time shows his grace. So here David, uh, realizing that the sin had become so heavy on his heart, realized that his relationship with God was not where it should be. He cries out, have mercy on me, O God. We look at the New Testament, we see that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. David here again is looking to the heavens, looking to Yahweh for some relief from the burden of sin. And then he says this, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, steadfast love, the unfailing kindness of God and the hesed love of God, which is connected to his covenant with the Israelites at Mount Sinai never ends. God's love never ends. I am amazed today how many uh, people view God as angry. Uh, they might even say that, uh, that God is angry all the time. And while there is that dimension of God being a wrathful God, we, we, we can't sidestep that because we do know that those who do not 
trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They will spend eternity in hell separated from him. So there is certainly a wrath side of God. And yet, I, I, I hear this, God could never forgive my sin. He's too angry with me. And yet, that's not the God that I find in the Bible. What I find is a God that is a God of love. God is love. 1 John 4, 8. Yes, we sin. Yes, we stumble. Yes, we fall. But God's love is always there. Hasn't the cross taught us that? That Jesus Christ was dying on the cross. That was God's great love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is love and he loves us today. Yes, there's times in our lives when we make mistakes. We get that. We sin. We stumble. We go to God. We ask him to show us his mercy and his love. He gives that to us. Our sins wiped out and we are back in a relationship with him. Remember, renewal with God always starts with the need for God's mercy and his love and he desires a relationship with us i might want to say at this point if you have never trusted in jesus christ as your lord and savior and uh, brian told me later in the week that we had over 200 uh, views of a sermon and this is for somebody that's not sure of where they are let me let me tell you this that you will never be good enough to earn god's favor it has to go through the cross. You can't do enough good things to get to heaven. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin. Jesus was in heaven with, with the Father. He came down. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. Jesus put that sinless life on the cross as an exchange for us. And Jesus said, punish me. Don't punish those that follow me. So Jesus died on that cross. He was buried he rose again and is now at the right hand of the Father. And if you will ask and tell God that, yes, I'm a sinner, I admit that I'm a sinner, and God, I want to ask for forgiveness of those sins, and I want to invite Christ into my heart, he will come in and you will be saved and you will experience the mercy and love of God. So yes, there are times when we may see God as wrathful, but what I find a lot in the Old Testament and New Testament is that God is love too. So, yes, God is wrathful on one hand, but God is loving on the other. And David says, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Secondly, God forgives sin. Not only is God merciful, but God forgives sin. David does something very interesting here. He says, blot out my transgressions. Still in verse 1. Blot out my transgressions. Maha ni pisa. Maha ni pisa. And the word blot out, what does that mean? Well, let me give you a picture of what the word blot out means. It means simply to erase. That's exactly what it means. It means to erase. Um, many of you know the story, I feel like sharing it again, uh, October 12, 1981, on a training exercise, I was led to saving faith by a chaplain, 
And when he led me in, the, he, before he said, Mike, what do you think God would see if, you, if he looked up at the screen? What do you think he would see? And I said, well, I think he'd see my life. He'd see my son. And he said, you're right. And he, from that dialogue, he led me to the sinner's prayer, which I prayed with him that day. And then he looks at me after I prayed the prayer, and he said, now look back up at that screen. What do you think God sees? And I said, I don't know. He said he doesn't see anything because God erased all of your sin. And that's what David is praying for. God, I want you to erase. I want you to take away what I have done wrong, what I have messed up on, the sin that I have committed. I want you to erase it. I want you to erase it. Notice he also says here, blot out, mahani pisa, blot out my transgressions, pisa. Transgression means sin or offense. It refers to a rebellious nature. In fact, if we Look at verse 5 just for a minute. In Psalm 51, we read this. Behold, and this is in the same psalm, by, by the way. Psalm 51, 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David is making mention of something that you don't think is made mention of till the New Testament, the sarks, the flesh. David is saying here that I was born in sin, I was born in iniquity. And so this is a problem. I have a human nature towards sin, and that sin is rebellion against God. We are born into it. And yet David is acknowledging, he says, I want you to erase what I did which sprung from my sin nature. That's amazing that David wrote that, by the way. And then also in verse 2, he writes this, not only blot out my transgression, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Wash, kibus. what does kibus mean? Kibis, even back then, meant to launder. Many of you do your laundry every two or three days. You'll take your dirty clothes. You'll put them into the washer. You will clean them. Sometimes uh, you may have to use a spray bottle on certain stains that are, that are tougher. Um, but you do your laundry, and when the laundry's finished, you put them in the dryer, you take them out, you've got a clean shirt. It's exactly what David is saying here. Lord, I want you to wash me. I want you to clean me. And what he wants to be cleaned from is his iniquity or wrongdoing. Uh, and the wrongdoing that he did was he took another man's wife, Bathsheba. And now David's saying, I want to be washed I want that to be removed. I want it to be taken away. Interesting that later in Psalm 51.7, David says this same psalm, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. David, if you will, is begging God. He may even be like this, asking God, oh God, according to your mercy, Clean me, wash me, forgive me. And he's asking for God's forgiveness. And to be white as snow means that all of the sin has been removed from David. You cannot, and I cannot, 
completely remove the stains of sin from our life. If you're an unbeliever, the only way to remove the sin is through Jesus Christ at the foot of the cross. If, if you're a believer, the only way to remove the sin is the blood of Jesus covering your heart. And when we ask him to forgive us, times of renewal will come with God. And then a third thing he mentions here under the forgiveness of sin in verse 2, and cleanse me from my sin. Sin refers to the moral standards of God. And cleanse me from my sin. Uh, but there's something that's happening here at the end of verse 1 and, and in verse 2. There are some steps taking place, and I want us to see how it works uh, here this morning. Number one, transgressions. Remember, David talked about his rebellious nature. So he mentions first his transgressions, which is his 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 uh, rebellious nature. Secondly, the iniquity, wrongdoing, which springs from the rebellious nature. So here you have two of the three. You have transgressions, rebellious nature, it's in me, and then the, it's going out, actually per participating and doing what is wrong. And then, thirdly, breaking the moral standards of God. And David was guilty of every one of these. He had a sin nature just like you and I. Paul would call it the sarks. And yet he says, I have a sin nature. From that sin nature, I did a wrongdoing. And in the process of wrongdoing, I broke the moral standards of God. But then he says a word here, cleanse, tahar. And that refers to the priest who would offer a sacrifice to prepare the people for worship. What's happening here is that David, in a sense, is asking God to restore his worship with him. To restore his worship with him. David at this point realizes that God is a holy God and that any worship that was taking place in his own heart was not true worship because David had a sin problem and it wasn't a small sin problem it was a big sin problem he had broke one of the highest standards of God's commandments. And then, thirdly, we see that God is holy. Verses 3 and 4. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. The word know, <laughs> at this point, David was fully aware. He fully knew that something wasn't right. It's like in our lives when we just know that something is not right in our relationship with God. When we just don't feel God's presence, sometimes that's by divine uh, plan, where sometimes God wants us to rely on him. But sometimes the issue could be an unconfessed sin. 
And in David's case, it was an unconfessed sin. He says, my sin is ever before me. Uh, it had been a year since David had killed Uriah and taken his wife. It had been a year since this psalm had been written. So in other words, from the time of the event to when David wrote this was exactly one year. Can you imagine how heavy this must have been on David's heart, particularly when his sin was brought front and center by the little story that Nathan told him? He says, look, this poor man had one sheep, this rich man had many, and yet he took the sheep and David became outraged. And then he says, Nathan says to David, you're the man. That's you in the story, David. You took something that didn't belong to you. So, but David, David, during this whole year, David probably justified his sin. I am God's chosen king. God's favor rests upon me. I can do what I want to do. You could, you could make the case that since David didn't repent of this for at least a year, you, you could make the case that David just justified it because of his position. And we do it too in our own lives. Well, this is a sin, but I'm under God's grace and therefore it's forgiven. Um, in one sense that's true, but in another sense you still need to ask for God's mercy, for his love, for his grace, and forgiveness of the sin. Because we still struggle as Christians, we still struggle with the flesh. We still struggle with this nature. In our Sunday school, before we got disrupted for coronavirus, um, our Sunday school was talking about the sin nature and how hard it is for us to defeat it. But what David could see that he could not see earlier was that when his relationship was right with God, he could see, he could see everything more clearly. He says immediately after the three steps for I know I see it now I see my transgression and my sin and now it is ever before me so there's a real simple solution here um, I do believe that we're under grace but I also believe that as we live our Christian lives that we're still to be in the confession business that we're to ask God for forgiveness of our sins and to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God will wipe those sins away. He will cast them as far as the east is from the west. He will forgive you. And I've heard this said, well, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. Well, I do care what you've done. But I don't care in the realm of spirituality because I know that no matter what you have done, no matter how vile the offense God stands ready to forgive it to take that eraser that spiritual eraser and to wipe it out and you can be forgiven no matter what you've done uh, I've heard a lady say I had an abortion so God could never forgive me yes he can no matter what sin you've committed God can forgive and he can wipe it out and cleanse it and it's never brought up again isn't that isn't that good news to know that that we have a God that stands ready and willing to forgive us of our sins. He goes on here to say, in verse 4, against you. He's pointing now. David's got a full awareness of this after the story. His heart is pierced. And he says, against you, you only have I sinned. Sin 
is against God. Because God is holy. God is just. And David says, against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So sin is directed at God. So as we live our Christian lives, any time that we sin, it's against him. Because he's the one that set the standard for us. So if we're not loving people like we should, if we're not uh, doing what he tells us to do, it is a sin, and it is a sin against God. And sometimes it's also a sin against our neighbor, and we need to make both right. So David appeals to God's judgment. And notice he writes, so that you may be justicated or justified, and that word means vindicated, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. This is the Supreme Court. And when cases go there, there's no higher court in the land. Nine justices will make a decision. And the nine justices together will be the final decision of the court. There is no court higher that you can go to than the Supreme Court. David is now taking this to court with the Supreme Judge. And something to realize here is that David knows full well the Hesed love of God. He knows that God is faithful. He knows that God is just. He knows that God will judge. He also knows on the other end that God is loving, kind, faithful. So there is hope for us today. You know, eventually the scriptures say that David was a man after God's own heart. I believe this was wiped out in David's life at this point. Psalm 51, the psalm of lament. There's hope for us. Lay your sin before the Lord. Ask for forgiveness of it. And know that God will forgive it. God will forgive any sin that you have committed, that I have committed. We just take it to him and say, Lord, I ask for forgiveness of my sin, and I ask that you clean me, cleanse me, wash me. Will you do that today? And if you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that maybe today would be that day. Just admit to God that you're a sinner, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Admit to God that you're a sinner. Ask like David for forgiveness of that sin. And invite Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. To my brothers and sisters out there, do you have a sin that is heavy on you? I would encourage you and beg you to take it to God. And ask him to forgive you so that you can have a renewed relationship with him.